Hi, I'm Nicole Matheson, and this is Unbreakable, the podcast exploring the part of us deep within that cannot be broken. Today's episode is sponsored by Embrace Women's Circle, a Facebook group to support women who see the challenges in their intimate relationships as opportunities to evolve. Go to Facebook forward slash groups forward slash Embrace Women's Circle to join us because who couldn't do with a bit of love and support when it comes to navigating relationships? On to today's episode. Imagine giving your partner total freedom to the point that you can be in the same room with them while they are connecting intimately with another. How would you respond? Instead of going into a jealous rage like most of us would, my guest this week, Rachel Ricards, channels that energy of jealousy into her own expansion. Rachel and her partner are polyamorous, meaning they have an open relationship. As a monogamous woman, speaking with Rachel really blew my mind. I feel that there's a lot here for us more conventional relators to be inspired by. During the interview, Rachel shared what she does to move through the energy of jealousy. The dance between freedom and control. She actually swears that she is a control freak. The connecting practice of belly to belly and how it works for her nervous system. The difficult challenges of polyamory and why she still chooses it. We talk about intimacy and what it truly means to be intimate. And she gives us her advice for us monogamous folk on how to keep our relating alive. This is such an inspiring episode. I encourage you to keep your mind open and feel it energize your relationship where it can. Rachel actually starts by talking about the bathroom floor breakup that came from her experience of being on a reality TV show about polyamory in the US. So my, um, my bathroom floor moment happens, um, it happens two years almost, or maybe a little bit over a year and a half, um, after meeting and starting to date, um, a married couple named Michael and Kamala Devi. And our relationship looked a little bit more like a V, um, instead of a triangle where he was really the connector um, and her and I weren't as romantically involved, but she was very much like a sister wife to me. She was very much my mentor and my best friend, and we did everything together. The three of us shared a bed together, so we were still very intimate and very close, but her and I weren't having a sexual relationship that was mostly between he and I. And over the course of our relationship together, the more he and Michael and I fell in love, um, 
there became a bigger contrast between the the marriage and 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 how close they were. And um, Kamala Devi, who is a um, you know you could call her and Michael in America the queen and king of polyamory. They were the stars of this reality show um, and are poly activists very like uh, very intensely. And so. Um, and it's funny because you think that someone who's um, been been poly and been doing open relating for so long, there's this added pressure to them that they have to be perfect and that they should never get jealous. Um, like you know, you've been open for 15 years, haven't you beat jealousy yet? But it, it's not really true. It doesn't happen. We all still get jealous and and and. Um, of our lovers so Kamala Devi started to build up some jealousy and there were just some relationship dynamics between the three of us that were very difficult but um, oh, it's, there's so much backstory it's hard I'm trying to, to, to decipher through how to tell it um, and to really get the full effect of the fact that we came to a place where Kamala Devi was so intensely jealous of Michael and I and the relationship had gotten so um, out of balance that she was having like a nervous breakdown. Um, she was really like everything was cracking and falling apart for her. And she was at that moment where like my marriage is over. And so it was, you know, at that moment it became is, am I going to save my marriage or do I need to ask this woman to, I need to kick Rachel out and have her and Michael break up. And so that's what ended up happening. She, she said, I need you guys to break up. I need Rachel to move out of the house and I need you to stop talking. And this was devastating for me because it wasn't just a relationship. When I met them, I met a whole community of poly people that I had never been connected before. And there was a part of me that got expressed that had never been found that expression in the world before. It was like a particular little community in San Diego where I just, my soul caught on fire. And it was like, this is where I can play and be me. And when this breakup happened, it was really, it was almost because she was the leader of this community in San Diego, it was like I was um, evicted from the community, mm. like like kicked out. I, I wasn't welcome anymore. And so I was devastated. I went spiraling down. And because we were so much in the media, there was another level of this that was also, I didn't want my pain shared publicly. Like all of our relational things had already been aired on television and on social media and on websites and blog posts. And when I was in the pain of being forced to break up, I didn't want anyone to see that because I still couldn't see it. So my one request to her in the breakup was that she not use my name or not say anything about it publicly until we had kind of gotten to a better place. And there was one week where she sent out an email update to her her email list and the title of the subject was my messy relationship update and she took me off her email list when she sent it out but a friend forwarded this to me so it was kind of like a double whammy and when I got this email everything like that that was the moment mm -hmm. when I read her 
messy relationship update about having to break up with me and all the mistakes that she had made, you know, having me come in and move in with them. This moment was my bathroom floor moment. Mm. I, I just, I mean, I think the first thing I thought at that moment was like, I need a drink. (laughs) (laughs) I need a whole bottle of of vodka right now. I was, I was devastated Mm. and I got, and I got even a little bit mean actually. Mm. Um, and really, was really angry with her because Mm -hmm. I was in so much pain and I just didn't want my pain shared with the world. Um, it it was, it was, um, incredibly painful to see it aired out in that way. Um, God, that's just a whole other layer, isn't it? The pub publicity of it all. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's one thing to just have it happen. And it's an, it's an, it's quite another thing to have it, to have it put on public display. Um, and it yeah. and it doesn't necessarily translate into uh, empathy or compassion or care, does it? When it's aired so publicly, it's we just want a piece of that pain and we want to see it and we want to. Mm. Yeah, no, and I think you know that's I, I I assume that maybe there's an aspect of her that was looking for that for herself, you know, because she was reaching out to her community saying this really horrible thing happened to me. And if I'm anyone in the community and I read the email, um, I can understand and I can relate and I can have compassion and empathy, but I'm the one person who couldn't read that email and have that. It just devastated me. I mean, that, that was really my breaking moment. And I, I, and at that moment, um, things in my life had to start changing. I had that, like there was a new, um, there was a new level of self-care or like a new motivation behind self-care that came through in that moment Mm. of like, I really have to take care of myself right now. And I really have to go do something different to self-source. Yeah. So it up leveled all of that. And do you want to share a little bit about what that looked like for you? Yeah, it's really exciting. So what that looks like for me was moving to Bali. (laughs) (laughs) I said when that happened and um, another, another, there was like kind of a second layer, which was um, we had produced um, a festival together. They had been producing it for years, but the year before I produced it with them and it was called Polypalooza. And it was like a big polyamorous festival where a bunch of poly people came together and um, and they had this Polypalooza. And so I started, started seeing pictures on Facebook of Michael with other women that he was now dating at this festival. And I was just, again, devastated and thought, I need to get out of here. Like, I need to literally get out of America. I can't be here anymore because this is just, it's too painful. And so um, a couple of friends of mine were going to Bali to um, live and study with a Tantra teacher. And mm. I was like, you know what? I think I'm supposed to be there. And so uh, me and a girlfriend, uh, we made plans. We got our flights. We saved a bunch of money over the next, I think, two or three months and got our tickets and went to Bali. And met up with this Tantra teacher and um, a group of other people who had also moved there with him. And we all ended up living together and creating our own little Tantra. We called it a Kula. Um, And we lived together for six to nine months um, studying Tantra under under this teacher together as a community. Wow. That must have helped. (laughs) (laughs) It helped. It helped. Not only did it help... um, in the practice that he taught, I 
reset, completely reset my nervous system, which Mm -hmm. was shattered from this experience and just from life. I found community and also my partner who I'm still with today, um, met him and our relationship got the benefit of, of having its deepening and its beginning (laughs) stages all happen held in this container of community and doing this kind of partnered meditation practice, which is what we do together. Um, um, all together at the same time. (laughs) That's, that's really fertile grounds for love and (laughs) relationship, isn't it? It's just beautiful. It is. And one of the, um, one of the brilliant things that happened through this process for me was that, um, when the breakup happened, I, I felt like I had lost my community and I was devastated. And one of my kind of core, um, issues I've struggled with in my life is the not belonging, the mm-hmm. fear that I don't belong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was always finding ways and finding communities where I didn't, where I could, mm, where I could manifest that wound, which was that I didn't belong. And this was the big one when, when I, when Kamala Devi broke up with me and mm. I had to leave and I didn't belong there anymore. It was like, there was nowhere I belonged. And, and so I suppose I that's also when you found this polyamory community that you belonged to, which is kind of like, finally, I found my people. Exactly. And then you finally. get it. It rejected from that as well. So it was like double heartache. Double, like triple. I mean, there were so many layers of community and family that I had found um, with her and and in San Diego. So, um, you know, it's like that that moment of just like, I I, I just, maybe I actually, almost believing, maybe I don't belong anywhere. Mm. Almost kind of feeding into that belief. And what was beautiful about Bali is there's a beautiful community in Bali, a yoga, tantra, dance community. And, and I went there and the, the, it wouldn't be too easy to say that I found the community in Bali and then I belonged there. The bigger picture of what happened is I found this community in Bali and then I traveled to Thailand and I found the community in Thailand Mm -hmm. and then I traveled to Europe and I found the community in Europe and then some of the people in Europe were part of the community in Bali, were part of the community in Thailand and so I got connected to the international tribe Mm -hmm. and I found out that I don't ever have to belong somewhere locally that I belong internationally, that there's a tribe of people all around the world and I can pop in and out of any city and find the people I belong with. And so it's like this piece of not belonging kind of got healed in in that, in the expanded picture that I do belong and I belong everywhere and I can find the people I resonate with very easily now Mm. um, in Mm. this way. So it it really, and I credit Bali with that, teaching me that lesson that I can find my tribe anywhere. They're they're all out there. Yeah, lovely. And and what about the the healing of the the kind of broken heart part of you, or the um, the recovery, uh, or the coming back to yourself? I kind of figure there's another part to the healing that happened. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Part of that, I I was lucky enough that um, because 
this relationship was a little traumatizing for me in the end. I mean, I think they all are. They can be when you're in those end phases. And, and like, I was so, I mean, so devastated. I, um, and I met this, my partner now, Booster, is his name, in Bali. And he's a, a body-centered psychotherapist. And he specializes in trauma actually no. so yeah I was I was very lucky to find him and and start doing some work with him in the beginning and when I first met him I was still very much in the in the devastation of the breakup um, and he was even a little apprehensive when he met me like I think you know you might be too freshly broken up it had been actually five months it had been five months when I met him mm-hmm. um, but it was still very alive in me um, um, at that time and he really worked with me because he's an expert with the nervous system and he really worked with me with becoming aware of the activation in my nervous system and how you know we even did exercises on how my nervous system was reacting just at the thought of Michael and Kamala Devi like just at just if I imagined them being in the room, what started to happen in my body? And it was amazing. Like this, it was like my muscles started to tense up. My breath got really short. My 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 limbs got um, really activated. And, and so slowly, um, between working with him and working with David Cates, my Tantra teacher, um, we kind of reset my nervous system and started doing this practice, which we call belly to belly. Yeah, I've a, seen that on your um, <laughs> Facebook videos. <laughs> it um, looks, looks it, like such a beautiful um, activity. It is. It's yeah. a partnered breathing meditation where you mm-hmm. lie belly facing belly mm-hmm. and you breathe. You synchronize the breathing and you sound on the exhale. And this aligns our nervous system and brings us into this beautiful oneness Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really the space now where that I try if, you know, if Booster and I even have anything that looks like an argument or we're upset or something's happening, it's like everything stops and we lie down belly to belly and we just mm-hmm. breathe until our, our nervous systems are back to are back to neutral. And sometimes they don't get back to neutral. But so we wait till our nervous systems get back to neutral. And then from that place of like love and connection and bonding and dopamine release, that's where we start working on issues or having the difficult conversations. Mm. And so that, that was the healing for me was being, you know, when we were in Bali and we were living with David Cates, we did this practice for 20 hours a week wow. in a container about 15 people so every other day or every day we were lying down and just doing these deep tantric practices of breathing together and going into these kind of you can take yourself just through the breath into an altered state i mean i've gotten higher um off breathing than any drug or alcohol or anything that i've ever done and and these are the states um where a lot of really beautiful work and healing happens (sighs) Yes. (laughs) I have actually, since watching your videos, I have been trying the belly to belly with my husband. Ah, Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) It's gorgeous. And yeah, I think just as far as feeling comfy and safe and connected, it's, Mm. it's just really powerful. 
It's so powerful. I try to tell people about it um, all the time. And just people are always asking, what do we do? We lie down and we start breathing and then what? And I always say the best first thing to do is just reveal what's happening in your body right now. Mm-hmm. What are you aware of in your body? Just reveal if you had to if you could paint a picture with words of your inner landscape, that's that's the first thing to lead with. Mm-hmm. Is just letting someone in on your reality of what's happening in your body right now. That's the most intimate thing you can share. Because it's in the present moment. It's what's happening now. And it's the your story, truth. It's the truth. The story, when we go into past and when we go into present, that's when we start to lose each other because mm-hmm. it's like we become, um, we're listening to a play or a, or a movie or a, 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 a story or a, a, of a, um, like a fairy tale, whereas like what, what's happening right now is the most intimate, the most intimate thing you can share. So intimate. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to continue practicing belly to belly. Yeah, you should. Yeah, and it's a muscle. So yeah. if you try it once or twice and nothing's happening, it's like you don't go to the gym once or twice and like, why don't I have like a ripped six pack? It's like <laughs> you have to lie down and breathe together over and over again and start to regulate your nervous system mm-hmm. with another. And it's beautiful. Booster and I's nervous systems are so connected now. Mm-hmm. We can, if he breathes and I'm in a room with him, I just start breathing in sync with him. Mm. That's how connected we are. Or if he takes a big breath, all of a sudden my body just starts taking a big breath. It's like we're that, our bodies are that connected and that in sync. It mm. happens effortlessly. Mm. And it kind of just surpasses the whole head, you know. It, it's straight to the body and the heart, isn't it? Straight in. There's this concept called that David Cates calls the communication iceberg. So if you imagine an iceberg, um, the 10% that peaks out the top, that's the way that we communicate using language. Mm -hmm. The 30%, which is like right at the water level, is communication using emotion. Mm -hmm. And 60% of communication happens underneath the surface of the water. And that's the body, Mm -hmm. body body-to-body communication. So usually when we're using just the minds and the word communication, we're only able to communicate 10% of what's happening. 60% is what's happening with the body. Mm. 60%. It's amazing. And I find, um, you know, relationship troubles often happen when my body's saying one thing and my Mm. words are saying another. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't want to admit or to tell or to share the truth. Yeah. It's scary. It's scary, mm-hmm. especially uh, this. This one for me um, rings really true with open relating too, mm-hmm. because there's this higher self of me, this higher version of Rachel, where I like I want to just like I want my partner to just go and sleep with whoever he wants or date whoever he wants, and I'm gonna be calm and collected and in my center, and I'm gonna be celebrating that more love is more love and celebrating him making love with as many people as he desires. But then there's this other thing that happens in my body where he starts to show interest in someone else and all of a sudden my body is freaking out. (laughs) 
And it's like, where did prior self Rachel go? She just took off. She got out of here really fast. And there is a beast inside that wants to rage. So it's those those moments, especially I've I've never felt the discrepancy between my you know what I want in my body and what's happening in 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 my mind as much now as I have recently with with being in the the throes of open relating. I have so many questions about open relating as, <laughs> as a married, monogamous, you know, probably quite conservative woman. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a lot that I can learn. So I have all these questions. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering, because I, I saw a post on Facebook that you'd done recently. You have this really beautiful collection of uh, live Facebook videos that people should go check mm. out really Mm. lovely and open and vulnerable um, and honest. And one of your recent ones was, was about that higher, higher self of yours that really just wanted to give booster complete freedom. And part of me is just going, yes, what an amazing offering of love. Like I can just, I can feel the love going to you from you to him and I can feel how much love he must feel towards you for that freedom you know like I can I get it I get it totally get it but I'm just wondering yeah uh, what about the jealousy and what Mm. do you do with it and Mm. and I suppose the rest of us are controlling that with boundaries and agreements and limitations. Mm-hmm. But I suppose you're like, you're taking the step of not needing the control. And, <laughs> and, and it's, there's so much trust involved. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you can talk us through a little bit. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there's there's a lot in it for us, <laughs> whether we're poly or monogamous or whatever. Yeah. So there's there's a lot in what you just talked about, and um, how to start eating an elephant. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, so I wouldn't say that I'm um, I'm very far from perfect, um, and I'm very much in it like even now actively in it and I don't have a recipe or a, a, a um, like a procedure or a thing to share of like this is how you do it and get through it um, I'm just really enjoying constantly being in it okay. and um, so so jealousy what the the interesting inquiry for me around jealousy is a lot of times the jealousy is around an insecurity of mine. When when I find myself jealous, I find it more more often than not directly re- related to a, an area where I'm feeling insecure about myself. So that's the first interesting inquiry. Um, or it's an area where, like, um, one of the worst times for Booster and I to be, or for Booster to be dating other people, is any time when our relationship isn't strong, and there's any kind of in, any um, 
areas of insecurity or we just had a big fight or something and then he wants to go on a date that's like that's a really easy time for me to get jealous because I'm feeling insecure so that's the Mm -hmm. first like that's the first sign and signal to me when I'm jealous that there's something that's something that needs attention or reassurance um and um and what do you do with that part of you that needs reassurance yeah so I um it's very much depends on the situation um and you know sometimes I just try to like what I like to say is the jealousy or any reaction that comes up when I'm in an open relating dialogue or experience it's just energy right Mm. so when I get jealous there's an energy that's coming and I can I can attach on to that energy that it's a negative experience or a positive experience and then I get to decide what I want to do with the energy so one of my things that I resort to pretty regularly is running and I go running when I when the energy is so much because I can sit in a room I've sat in a room my boosters on a date and the energy gets so intense I'm freaking out right because the energy has nowhere to go it's like filling my whole body my, all my cells are vibrating and I'm like oh, I have to do something with this right and that's where sometimes and when I have that much intense energy raging that's when sometimes too I'm like I need a drink you know yes. you need, you're wanting to calm that down I want to numb this out it's too much to handle because there's energy that you can you have something to play with you can do something with it so so a lot of times some of my biggest um uh, running uh, streaks have come at times when we were really opening our relationship a lot, and I just start running and I just start channeling the energy into into my into my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one thing to do. Another thing is to resource with friends, um, and this is a hard one for me because I find it hard to get resourced with friends who aren't also open or poly like if I can't go to a monogamous person and get comfort from them around something like this I, it has they'll to be, be like why the hell are you letting him out they're like see how you're freaking out right now this is exactly why I'm not doing that like this is you're this is exactly why I'm not open because and they don't get it you know so I can't go to them because they'll just kind of confirm my je- my jealousy or my insecurity or your doubt uh, or my doubt yeah and so I just have to resource with friends um, or I ask Booster for reassurance, um, mm-hmm. and so, you know he can tell me too, like, hey, this there's th- this person isn't threatening to you. You have nothing to be worried about, you know. And and he can just reassure me that way. And the more that I hear him say that, like, it helps a lot. Is yeah. just to be reassured by him that like he's not going anywhere, and that this this date or this connection isn't changing anything about our relationship. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So what is it about Polly? Mm. If it what is it that keeps keeps you there when it is so challenging and so heart-wrenching and Well, this is an interesting one because um people always say this too like it's so difficult why do you keep doing it? And I'm like, "Yes, but isn't monogamy quite difficult too?" <laughs> <laughs> Yes, monogamy is also difficult. And part of the reason it's difficult is because you have this pressure that this one person has to fulfill everything for the rest of your life and you should not look anywhere else. Right. So I'm just choosing the... It's like choose the 
better of the most difficult options, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's really difficult to be monogamous and be just with one person, and that's very difficult. And the difficulties of that style of relating for me um, aren't worth it. They outweigh the benefits. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, poly is more difficult um, in in different ways, and those different ways are more appealing to me in this moment. Yeah. There's definitely sometimes my relationship could look a little bit more monogamous. There's weeks where Booster and I aren't dating anyone else. We're just with each other mm-hmm. and we're just working on our couple bond. Um, and then there's weeks that are very expansive and very open and we're in a community and we have lots of lovers. But there's a there's a ebb and a flow. Um, there, it, there's an expansion and contraction. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what makes it worth it for me is is I find that the work I'm constantly doing in my relationship is also work I'm doing on myself. Absolutely. And, mm. and that that feels exciting to me. Um and rewarding and it's like uh more love is more love is more love is more love. There's no there's no dimension or reality where more love equals less love for someone else time and space is is finite but love is infinite Mm. um and so sometimes my animal body still needs a little (laughs) needs to remember it needs to be cuddled back into remembering that but um that's really the reward at the at the end of a long road of of work Mm. and i think i think that there's there is a secret like hope inside of me that I'll get to a place one day where I won't struggle with some of these things like jealousy so much um, that I'll that I'll have done enough work that I'll be in a new paradigm of relating and I think I already am a little bit um, especially if I compare myself with with other people um, but for myself there's I have a, a lot of things I still a lot of ways I still want to go <laughs> absolutely and I suppose it is so challenging, mainly on a evolutionary level. Mm. Would you say that? I would definitely say that. A biological level, too, maybe. Mm. Like, mm. I feel like I'm fighting my biology a lot of times. Mm. So there's, like, I can, uh, you know... Um, yeah, so biolog- like evolution, evolution or biology, I can be feeling things in my body that, like I said, don't connect to the higher, the higher version of me. Mm-hmm. Like, why am, I, um, why am I freaking out wondering if he's going to leave me? Or why am I worried about resources? And, and if he sleeps with her and she wants to have his babies, there's going to be less for me. There's these biological needs and desires that start to get triggered. And I've, I've told someone, like, if I could just rewire my biology right now, I would, so that my body <laughs> didn't feel these things anymore. But they do keep coming up to be felt, and, it's, and that's, that's the game, and that's the um, that's, that's where the, the growth is. Yeah, the yeah. yeah. And so much learning to happen there. So I, I feel like, you know, when, when we talk about finding that part of you that is unbreakable, Mm. that this uh, exploration in poly and in seeing your partner with other lovers, like there must, you must come back to, you know, 
beyond all those layers to some part of you that is bigger, um, more mm. clear, stronger, mm. truer. Um, mm. I'm just wondering what that what that unbreakable part of you feels like and where you find it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've been thinking about this question. Um, you know, something just came that didn't, that wasn't what I was expecting to say, but I, uh, in a, in an interesting way, it's like my heart. It, it is, my heart is unbreakable and there's moments it's, it feels very interesting to say this because there's moments where I feel my heart has been broken, but I, it's not breakable. It's maybe crackable. <laughs> it's maybe, I love that. There can be a little, like a little crack or a little um, fracture, but it's it's not breakable. And and on all of these things, they come back to my heart to just and which is what love. Mm. My love is not. It's not breakable. It's not going away. There's moments where I'm hurt or I'm in pain or um, I remember this breakup I went through with Michael and Kamala. There was there were days where I just had pain in my chest. Mm. Like uh, my whole chest was just. Uh, it was in so much pain. I was sure that something was happening to my heart. But but at the end of the day, I think that's that's that thing that keeps that's the 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 core thread through it all is is my heart and the shape mm-hmm. of my heart is is very big uh, and includes a lot of people and I think that that's what keeps that's what keeps me going and expanding in this kind of paradigm of openness. Mm. I love that answer. <laughs> I got a real soft spot for the heart. So yeah. you're speaking my language there. Yeah. Um, I've got a kind of different question for you. Um, usually I ask for your advice for people going through a, you know, a, a bathroom floor cracking open moment. But okay. I would actually like to ask some advice for monogamous married folk or long-term relationship people like myself, Mm. I would love to know from your perspective what advice you would have for us in, in so far as keeping things alive and thriving and Mm. uh, keeping ourselves alive and thriving. Mm. In a monogamous relationship. Yeah. Keeping things alive and thriving in Ragnar's relationship. Interesting. Um, what? Well, that's a question. <laughs> I would, I would recommend. I would say one of the things that keeps the most aliveness is, is to, to try something new or to do something new or different um, because what happens in relationships is they get so monotonous and mundane and you just come to expect certain things. And so I think trying something new and it's like mm, whatever you were doing at the beginning of the relationship that you're not doing now, that's probably the thing you should be doing. So whether that was like surprises or gifts or sexy dates or spontaneous 
picnics on the beach, whatever that thing was that you did when you were super in love and in that honeymoon phase, Mm -hmm. do one of those things again. Um, That's what keeps the juices flowing. That's what keeps the aliveness in the relationship. Um, And I think that when you start opening up and you have that, we call it new relationship energy, when new lovers come in and you get, and the couple's relationship gets an injection of new relationship energy, it kind of spices everything up. So it's like, if you're in a monogamous relationship, give yourself that injection. Mm. You know? Yeah. I I totally love that. I love that advice. (laughs) I can feel the energy of it. Um, But I I am reading Mating in Captivity at the moment by Esther Perel. And and I love that she says love needs comfort and security and safety. Mm -hmm. That desire and eroticism needs the opposite, needs uncertainty and risk. Exactly. And it's interesting for me because I've been finding that uncertainty and risk in my relationship by being really honest, really vulnerable, like going to those places that I'm like, oh, my God, I could never say this, saying it to my husband. And then you've got that whole, oh, my God, how's he going to respond to this? Are we over because I've said this? But actually it is that injection of, Oh, you yes. know, I don't know. There's so much in it. That's it. That's exactly, exactly it. That's mm. it. That's the piece. That's intimacy. Yeah. That's intimacy. Sharing mm. the thing you least want to share with your partner with them yes. will. And it's ironic that that will create the most love and connection. It, yeah. it is. When you're seen and loved in that moment of like this piece of me is so unlovable, you'll you'll mm. you'll never you could never love me if you knew this. Yeah. And when the person sits there and looks at you and says, "I still love you," if not, I love you more because you shared something that was so scary. And they, when they stay there with you through that, that's it. That's that's it. It that's is exactly it. It's that's so that's cool. what we that's what we do in belly to belly all the time. Mm. Lie down, breathe, and share the thing you least want to share right now. And I suppose belly to belly is just the perfect kind of um, container for that, that, that kind of conversation. The perfect container mm. and the perfect balm to, so- to soothe mm. over. At once, once you share and once your partner hears the share, the nervous system it gets activated. So then you just start to breathe and sound again. And mm. as you breathe and sound, everything just drops and starts to melt. And then you're mm. in that kind of oxytocin bubble again together. And you see that nothing's changed. Everything's fine. There's still love. There's mm. connection. Mm. I can imagine for a lot of people that's nearly scarily intimate, just the mm. physical breathing connecting bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah <laughs> so so go there if, you, if you're not going there in your relationship maybe that's kind of the the injection of new that could know, change especially, energy especially it's not only the the lying down there there's a very big importance around the sounding and I know that like if you haven't ever sounded on the exhale, I try to, in my workshops, I'm guiding people into this. And it's like, 
they just people just lie there and they don't want to sound but if you if you're doing it right it sounds something like this it's like a three to four second inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth so it's uh, and that sound not only is it sending signals to my nervous system but it's sending, it's sending information to your body and your nervous system. And the more we breathe and sound together, the deeper we can drop in together. But people get so scared. They're so scared of their sound and how it's going to affect the other person or if it's going to turn the other person off or on. And it's, it is the piece that will create the most bliss. I, I, I don't know how to, um, I'm too excited right now to think of a better place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, it, it works vibrationally, doesn't it? Because we are energetic beings and we vibrate. And so there's, there's resonance in the sound that cuts through our energy. And Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I have a funny... A funny story. I'll try to share it really quick. But uh, my sister is very, um, what's the word, uh, mainstream, normal, doesn't go to, you know, doesn't do really meditation or spiritual things or yoga. But her and her, she just had two babies. And her and her husband have been struggling a lot with intimacy. And they haven't been having a lot of sex. And so she's asking me, we're getting our nails done or something together one day. And she keeps asking me, what do we do? I know that you're teaching intimacy workshops and you're doing this. And what advice do you have? What, what can can you tell me to do? What should we do? And I was like, Oh, I, I know what to tell her to do, but I don't think that she's ever going to do it. Like there's, or at least if she would do it, there's no way he's going to lay down and breathe with her. But she keeps asking me, please just give me one exercise or something we can do. And I say, okay, you know, this is, this is what I know works. You lie down and you breathe together, belly facing belly, and you just lie there. And then what? Well, and then nothing, you just be together. That's the practice isn't leading to some particular outcome. The practice is the opposite. It's just being together in the nothingness, in that space. And then you reveal what's happening in your body and then just see where the energy wants to go. If the energy wants, well, what if we just fall asleep? We're usually really tired at the end of the day. Well, if you do the practice and you fall asleep, then that's what wants to happen. You fall asleep. So the next day I see her, oh my gosh, Rachel, we did the belly to belly practice. Yeah, and what happened? I had two orgasms. <laughs> I was like, what? No, that's never happened to anyone. So I'm not advocating that belly to belly leads to orgasms, but apparently... Not had, one. Now two <laughs> orgasms, right? And she had an orgasm before having babies. So, And what, it, and what I think it is, is he just was with her. He was just with her in the intimacy, in the moment of just being together with no expectation of anything needed to happen. It wasn't a sex date. It wasn't because, you know, as a married couple, it's like we have to have sex. We have to have this sex date because we're not having sex and we have to plan this time. And it's so important. It was like the opposite. When the pressure's off and we can just be together and let our nervous systems go from the franticness of being a parent and running a household to just being together something opens up in that space oh yeah it's like not having an agenda is a really powerful thing because it actually takes us out of our head mm. and into a whole other paradigm where it doesn't matter we're just we're just present we're in our body and our heart and 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just with each other, with ourselves. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I've just got one more question for you. Okay. I'm wondering uh, at the moment for you what your unbreakable edge is, as in um, where's the edge of your growth taking you right now? I have two ways I can answer that either in my relationship or professionally. Do you have a preference as to which answer I give? Yeah. My preference is your relationship. relationship. (laughs) Um, one of my edges is, um, it's interesting. I'm, um, one of the harder things for me has been, it's, it's been really easy when my partner is, um, goes away and has a date with someone and I'm not, and I'm not there. That's, that's, well, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to use absolute terms. I like, I love using absolute terms, um, like always and never. And, you know, uh, but they don't really usually, apply. Um, so sometimes it's harder when, when he goes away or he goes, we're in different countries and I'm, and I don't have to be there seeing it, but what's actually much harder is actually being in the room when my partner is connecting with someone else and there's a, a electricity going on there. So, and we've been in, um, a community here in Hawaii and he's been having, you know, because we do this work together too. So we're guiding people into these things or belly to bellies and he's connecting with someone. And so the recently, um, that has been, has been, I noticed because I'm so aware of my body now and whatever, and any change that happens, especially in my nervous system, I'm acutely aware and I get really like geeky about it. I'm like, okay, what's happening? What is the story that's leading to this? And is it the body and how is my body reacting and, and noticing that the sweat under the armpits and the muscle reaction. So the other day, my partner was connecting with someone and I can tell they were really having a beautiful, intimate, like expansive, their faces were glowing and I was, I was watching and, and I started the mantra, his opening is my opening. Wow. His opening is my opening. When his body opens and he starts to love, my body opens and I start to love. And that immediately, when I started that mantra, my, it did, my, my biology shifted, my body started to open and I started to get really happy and really compulsive for the connection that he was having. Um, so that's, that's been my growth edge lately is being in the room with a connection happening between my partner and another woman and, um, leaving the room, not triggered, (laughs) not in a triggered, like reactive state, leaving actually as open. I don't think I'm probably leaving as open as he is in that moment, but that's the work I'm doing now is to get it so that the more open he gets through a connection that I bring myself to that same level of openness. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It just, it feels it feels really solid to me what what you are able to ah, just i don't know 
I don't really know have the words to express what I'm feeling, but it just feels so like I, I feel like I can I can really take what you're saying and apply it in my own life as far mm. as ah, just letting relatable. go. It's relatable, but it just feels so solid in self in mm. in in self love, self worth. Because I think often we're in a battle with our ego of someone's taking the mickey out of you. Don't let them, you know, like that whole grasping control fear. And when we actually drop into our hearts, we're like, it's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And let me say, because I would hate for anyone to think that I'm not a control freak. (laughs) I am such a control freak. And there's a part of my brain that's always working to try to control the situation so that I don't have to feel pain. That is definitely happening in in this. And one of the gifts that Booster gives me, um, and it's a bigger gift when he can not get triggered by me first, but is that (laughs) usually when I start to feel bad, I go into strategy and creating some kind of boundary or rule to tell him to do so that I don't have to feel this anymore. And whenever I do that, he says to me, reveal yourself. Tell me what's happening for you that's making you want this boundary or this rule. What, what's actually happening for you? And those moments are so special because they lead, like, any strategy I could come up with isn't as brilliant or doesn't ever lead to as much connection as it does when I just reveal myself. Mm. I'm really scared you're going to leave me or I'm really scared you're going to choose her over me. Like when I just say the thing is that I'm trying to protect myself from feeling, he softens Mm. and he, and he says, I don't want you, you know, maybe I don't want you to feel that or he can reassure me or it gives, it gives a different level of power back to us rather than trying to take the power away and set something up so that some emotion doesn't need to be felt. Oh, yes. I just love that. I love that. I love that control actually distances us by trying Mm. to avoid something. Mm. And that honesty just brings us back together. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. The truth. The truth. truth. (sighs) Wow. Thank you. Um, So just finally... If people are interested in finding out more about the work that you do, where would they go look? Um, They would go look. um, We have a website called embodiedintimacy.com. So you could go there. um, But probably more current and updated and active and fun is the Facebook page, um, Facebook backslash embodied intimacy. Um, And that's where all of Booster and I, we travel the world doing events. Um, so that's where all of our events are and all of our videos and, um, anything else that comes up for us kind of gets, gets posted there. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your, ah, your truth and your intimacy (laughs) and (laughs) wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a beautiful, um, podcast that you have. I, I'm just, I feel very honored and a lot of gratitude for the invitation to come share my story. You can find the show notes for this episode at nicolematheson.com forward slash podcast 15. While you are there, download my free gift, Sweet Soul Whispers. 
the soothing words you need to hear when you are lost and broken. If you have enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to share it with your friends and pop over to iTunes and leave a review and rating. While you're there, hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, bye-bye.